Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody. My name is Leah. You have hopefully are watching on live or on the VOD for our panel on how to recognize the best influencer for your game, which I know is a hot topic, especially within the indie space. Um, before I dive into introducing all of our awesome panelists, um, quick high level of what we're going to go over. We're talking about how to identify the right creators for your game. We're going to talk about how to kind of demystify that process, how to find the correct people easily without having to go through a bunch of iterations, um, how different size influencers and how that could fit or not fit um, and the fit of game, all of that good stuff. Um, remember, feel free to pop off in chat. Um, any questions or anything, we will keep an eye on it, make sure we can have visibility and hopefully get those questions answered. But with that, um, I'm going to start introing our awesome panelists. Um, I'm going to start with you, Kelby. Do you want to kind of chat about your history, who you're with, and what you can, why are you here? What can you bring to this convo, Kelby? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm Kelby May. I'm the Executive Vice President of Partnerships at Loaded. Uh, I have been there for about four years. For those of you who do not know, uh, Loaded is one of the premier talent management uh, groups in the gaming space. Uh, prior to Loaded, I was at Twitch for three and a half years, where I was running pre and post sales for all of their esports team partnerships. And then before that, I ran a couple of different esports organizations. I was a managing uh, partner and ran sponsorships and talent at Good Game, which owned Evil Geniuses and Alliance before we were acquired by Twitch. And then before that, I ran a team called CLG that competed mostly in League of Legends the first two years they were in the North American professional circuit. Flex, Kelby. <laughs> All right, Ricky, what about you? Good luck following that one up. <laughs> yeah, I'm Ricky Tran. I am the uh, director of partnerships at Rainmaker.gg. Um, for those who don't know what Rainmaker is, um, we are a metrics and analytics tool that helps the game publishers uh, and game devs uh, distribute the key game keys to uh, creators uh, across uh, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Facebook gaming. Um, before that, I was working at Streamlabs as their head of partnerships. Um, actually, worked with uh, Vicky as well too, and uh, worked with the uh, top uh, 1,000 uh, creators on the uh, Twitch platform. Awesome. Short. Not as, uh, Short, easy. Did not you own any, any esports teams? Nothing? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh. <laughs> Vicky, what about you? 
Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Vicky. Um, I'm currently the partnerships manager here at TikTok Live. For those of you who don't know what TikTok is, TikTok is currently the leading entertainment platform. Um, prior to TikTok, I worked at Streamlabs with Ricky, and I also worked at um, a VC-backed startup called Hamel. Um, and then prior to that, I started off as, as a content creator, actually um, streaming League of Legends. So, um, by the way, Leah, I just want to say Jared Fletcher says hi to you. Oh, Jared, get out of here. <laughs> too much i knew someone's gonna show up and i knew it would be jared um we love jared in this house um awesome okay well i think let's dive in um i wanted to kick this first question off to kelby um something that i know comes up immediately when we talk about influencers is people are really afraid of the cost of that and they don't really know what to expect um especially for something that's efficient. I know there's a level of like professionalism for what you get to all of that stuff. So I wanted to know if you had a viewpoint on the minimum budget that developers should have in mind before they start even going into considering influencer pushes and all of that. You know, we, I don't really look at it typically with regards to like a minimum budget you should have in mind before you go into influencer marketing, but I, I can certainly provide insight into like pricing methodology and, and how we go about that process. Like typically the way that we are pricing deals for talent that are, you know, exhibiting a game is really a function of uh, a cost per viewer that is watching their stream like average concurrence for an hour of sponsored broadcasting mm -hmm. um the threshold for that can can vary across the industry but typically like we are pricing around a dollar per acd so it's like really easy to calculate right if lyric is broadcasting to twenty thousand viewers he's twenty thousand dollars an hour for him to play your game on stream obviously and you know it scales proportionally so that you know what you're getting in in terms of reach uh, different talent will have different rates based off of you know their desire to do different titles and and all of that good stuff but but typically like that's the that's the benchmark that we we see people operating at and really like that is a product of kind of market dictation over time based off of what clients are willing to pay and also, you know, kind of the different rates that we've seen set in the market by some of the larger platforms like Twitch, who we do a bunch of business with as well. Mm -hmm. so. You said something that I, this becomes the battle, right? You said ACV. What does mm -hmm. ACV mean? Average concurrent viewers. So over the course of an hour of broadcasting, what is the average number of people watching at any one point in time? I just wanted to make sure that no one like left and was like, I can't yeah, wait to yeah. figure out what this is, but first I got to Google what ACV yeah. is. I mean, people use different terminology for that as well. Some people call it CCV, but, but just internally, I, you know, I refer to it as ACV. So. Love it. Okay. Vicky, Ricky, Vicky, Ricky, that's going to be a fun thing to do the entire stream. Wow. Okay. Um, any other thoughts that you guys have just in terms of minimum budget stuff that we wanted to pop off on before we go to the next one? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's ways that you can kind of like go back and say, hey, you know, um, we can go very, very low cost. You can get a you know platform that have the creators come to you. Shameless plug like Rainmaker, we have that as a service where it's a very low cost where creators come to the platform and are able to um, apply for game keys. So if you're distributing a whole set of game keys, let's say you have a thousand, two thousand you want to give away. It's an extremely low cost method to have creators come to your platform um, and you know you're able to see their metrics and their stats and how they perform on that on that particular campaign 
uh, over a course of period of time. Let's say you know ninety days is generally the uh, you know gold standard to kind of track of a launch of a game. So, yeah, Vicky. Um, yeah, I would also just add that um, I think it really depends on what the goal of your investment is, right? Like, I think if you're looking to get feedback from creators, I think that's one thing. And also just depends on as a game, like how mature your product is. So, um, yeah, I think like both had great points, but also just also just wanted to add that, like, you know, it really just depends on like how mature your product is and what um, think about like what value you're looking to get out of the creator. Is it their audience or is it their feedback or is it their community? But there's also like, you know, different pricing points for um, for kind of like the purpose that you're looking to work with influencers for. Got it. Yeah. And that's a great kind of pivot into the next question where I wanted to talk about what KPIs should be considered, right? Because there are so many different things when people, we you spend money and you say, well, we spent all this money, but we didn't get any, uh, we got a lot of views, but we didn't get a lot of conversions. Well, what does that mean, right? Are we going for a conversion in terms of signing up for, you know, wish listing something, buying it, or is awareness the, is the play? So I know that's kind of a hot one on on how KPI should be measured, because I think Kelby can attest to the fact that that changes the kind of influencers you guys should work with. Did you guys have any thoughts on that? I'd love to to hear them. Um, I'll jump in. Uh, sales are yeah, obviously king when it comes down to like release, releasing a, a launch of a game. But there's other like non sales related like conversions you can consider. Say like say for example, like if you're doing like newsletters or email signups, um, this brings people back to uh, your game if there's any like new patches that are coming out. Um, you know, there's ways you could track this by providing like creator codes or unique promo codes. It doesn't necessarily have to be a discount on the game that you give, um, you know, because that can affect like your overall margin. But, you know, you could have that code um, translate into maybe like a, a unique in-game item which doesn't cut into it um, and then also provides a way of like tracking your sales uh, accordingly. Um, and of course, there's like your regular like referral traffic and your content growth. So like your evergreen stuff like um, VODs, you know, if there's, uh, you know, people creating tutorials on your game, you could track that, uh, you know, via UTM links, um, you know, live content that's being created. And it, it always lets your game be relevant, especially when you're building the community around those types of uh, content um, and conversions and KPIs and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think on, on our end, um, you know, like the sales process uh, from a broadcast, if an influencer is doing it directly, is is very, very difficult to track in terms of like one-to-one -one conversion, right? Um, so we really tend transparently to not focus a ton on just like direct conversion. I think of it more as like, it's a really great opportunity, especially if you're working with like a third-party tool that is retargeting any data that you get where you get awareness from the top of the funnel for influencers or whatever channels you're using for broadcasting out and then retargeting those folks for for conversion later um there's a lot of when we do kpi discernment a lot of it is focused on based off of what are you paying what did you get in or what did you sign up for with regards to expectations for like viewership and reach and then what did you what did you get in return um, there's a lot of discernment there that needs to happen, I think, from savvy buyers on their end where they're looking at, let's say, for an example, I'm talking to a broadcaster who 
streams, I have a game coming out and they stream in this category very commonly. They, they play this genre of game or, or something like that. We could probably expect that their average viewership will translate very well to whenever they're doing a sponsored stream for my title. But if somebody primarily plays a different game genre or a different category, even if they're like a variety streamer, it may not translate one-to-one. -one. And so I need to go and find historical data that as closely matches my title as possible to make sure that I'm paying what I think the actual return will be on on, on market rate, so. Yeah, um, I also just wanted to add that I think it's also really important um, as a game developer on like the platform side of things to really think about like how what does that uh, experience look like when someone someone who is interested and in looking to install a certain program? Like, how easy is it for them to install this program? Um, are there any hiccups? And also, you know, are there any bugs in the program? I think all of this could really um, play effect into, like, how successful an activation is. Um, I think um, just personally from my experience when working with influencers, I think the number one thing that I aim for is impressions. I wouldn't necessarily go directly after sales um, just because there's so many factors. And I feel like there's usually like a learning process that, um, you know, an organization need to go through um, to kind of really like flesh out that experience before you kind of just put all your eggs in one basket and, you know, um, just pay an influencer and hope for the best. Never do that. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, and, and I think it, it kind of highlights on something that I find really interesting too, especially for indies. It's that so much of the KPI, of course they want sales, but also I, wish listing on Steam is something that's really, really big. And that's a really powerful way that you don't have to push a consumer to make that purchase immediately because you have no idea what that could be. But that, that I think is a really, really beneficial thing too. Um, it, there's a question in the chat about... Um, what other KPIs other than numbers, I think all KPIs are going to end up as numbers, but deciding whether or not we want that to be a, hey, it's liked, hey, it's, um, you know, or they bought something. Those are two very different and intense transactions. If you're only gauging if something has worked or not based on whether or not someone purchased something, you're setting yourself up to have a really difficult KPI to like prove this out on ROI, I guess. Mm -hmm. Too many three-letter acronyms. I need to relax. I to, to speak to Leah, the, the question about KPIs beyond numbers, the other thing that, that we really focus on a lot uh, is like brand efficacy. And that's like more of a qualitative thing. But for example, there are broadcasters, you know, across the world and they may be in the same, they may have similar viewership and they may have the same interest in a game genre and on their own, they may be, when they're authentically playing a game of their own volition, they may have a certain demeanor and attitude towards it. But for certain people, when it is a paid broadcast and you have to deliver messaging around the title, like a flip switches in their mind, or a, a, a switch flips in their mind, and it's their ad reads or their delivery is just not as strong as somebody, you know, who has really great brand ambassador skills and brand efficacy. And that's just something that you need to be diligent about in the investigation process is finding people that where you look at them and you look at the organic broadcast and you're like, you know what, I think this person would be a great fit for my game. And you know what, maybe if they found it organically, they would be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're great at delivering sponsored work. And that's no knock against them. It's just, it's not a skill that everybody has as a, as a broadcaster. Yeah, I love that. That's a great call out of 
yes, they look great when they're playing a game that they already know and love, but what happens when they have to do some kind of an ad read? I think that's a great call out, Colby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next topic I kind of wanted to talk about since going into, especially if you were doing this for the first time, these contracts can get confusing, they get long, they get kind of scary, um, and you can't really tell what you should be asking for if anything's missing. What do we kind of think some basic contract deliverables like table stakes for a event or a like a influencer sponsorship thing is? And then also any tips and tricks, things you think are really effective to kind of request and add in there. I always say VODs that are republished if this is a streaming based contract. So I don't know, Vicky, if you had any thoughts of like basic contract stuff that you're like, this is exactly what you should get every time if not, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I always try to make sure that um, that I keep contracts flexible because one, you never know what hurdles or blockers are going to run into or what kind of um, delays and stuff. There's just a lot of unforeseen. So, you know, I always make sure to add like a clause that like um, if certain things are not met, then, you, you know, um, both parties are responsible to adjust the deliverables or swap deliverables so that um, I'm leaving myself, you know, wiggle room to make sure that I still get the results that I want when, you know, things unforeseen things are happening. Um, and then another thing I think is really important is just uh, making sure that <clears throat> you really start talking about like who owns the right to this footage post a certain period of time or how long do you want uh, your organization to own own the rights to certain footage. So uh, I know there's plenty of more, but I want to pass it off to Ricky and Kelby to you know have them talk about this as well. Yeah, on the on the social media aspect, Vicky, I think you, the rights in particular is really important. One easy thing that like I personally don't like really ever like charge incrementally for or something like that is if you're doing spay, paid like sponsored posts on a social platform. Uh, that coincide with your sponsored broadcast, ask for whitelisting, ask for the ability to do paid promotion behind that post. We see, and like we get, you know, data insights from platforms where whenever you are doing and using like paid advertising behind a post that uses a creator, somebody who's recognized in the space versus like a generic actor or, or somebody like that, that content performs on a viewership like paid basis so much better than something that doesn't utilize a creator. So if you are able to, as a part of a deal, especially if you're working with a larger broadcaster and it's a bigger deal and you're like, hey, I wanna get a little cherry on top. Can I get 30 days usage and whitelisting attached to that? That is definitely something that that I would recommend seeking. That's a great call out. Ricky, thoughts? I know I you always have thoughts. <laughs> no, mine. I mean, those are great answers, and and I'm I'm always the biggest fan of like being able to work in like VOD content into uh, any deal, just simply because like you know YouTube is such a big massive driver of sales. Like that's how I, as a consumer of content, um, consume content. Uh, so right. like whenever I'm looking for new games, like even nowadays, I'm I'm almost. I don't even have time to catch live streams as much. Uh, so I'm always like looking at, you know, what happened in the Nintendo Direct and I could just pop into the YouTube VOD. Like what, what are the new games that I'm very much interested in? So if you're able to work in the ability to have them create content that is just everlasting on a platform like YouTube, um, I would say that that is a must have that you have yeah. to do. So. 
let the algorithm help you. For yeah, sure. absolutely. For sure. And like it, it, it grows your, it grows your channel as a content creator and, you know, who knows, you might, uh, uh, you know, might get more work from the developers or somewhat similar, um, as a content creator, if you're in that same genre uh, as a creator, like if I'm constantly creating, you know, content on strategy games, constantly creating something on like shooter games, um, you know, they'll find me through that platform and be like, hey, you want to try out a game? And as yeah. a creator, that grows me as a channel. Um, and then I might jump into a new game or maybe I'll go back to it. So um, it's always a nice thing to, to always think of. Yeah, love it. Um, a question that I've seen pop up in chat. I know it's a hot topic. Kelby, I know you get it all the time. Um, does it make sense to blow budget and get someone that's really big? Or does it make sense to go with smaller to to middle sized people and kind of spread that out? Um, of course, the goal should before any of this, I think, to cut Kelby's question short and give a great answer. Is it no matter what they need to be someone that's already interested in your game is the number one thing, and then you can make that base that decision based on that. But Kelby, do you feel like um, in terms of results? So, for someone with a tighter budget is which do you find to be more efficient? Well, I think that probably typically speaking, you're going to find better efficiency in the middle and lower end of the spectrum. It, it will depend based off of your like title fit and how much the influencer is just authentically in, in engaged and interested in your title, especially if your game happens to be fortunate enough to be something that has some momentum behind it. But really you're looking for, for the viewership that I can get per dollar, who do I think is really going to be the best ambassador for, for, for my game and title. Right. Um, and, and that's the direction I would head. Now I would say there is a little bit of like a, among us or even uh you know like uh fall guys effect where if you do end up with the right size broadcaster and they show your game off on stream and it's a great product it you know like influencers are shining lights on you know and visibility on something but they're not going to make something that's bad like it look good to everybody right they will expose the true nature of it but if you if you do work with somebody who's larger there is the possibility of kind of the network effect that extends beyond where hey because i'm seeing this large broadcaster do it if lyric or soda poppin or somebody is playing this title on stream then other people see it who are broadcasters are paying attention and they start broadcasting it to their community obviously must let of a must let of much less of a chance of that happening with somebody who's not like a tastemaker on a live broadcasting platform, right? But if you're working with the business, and I'm sure it's the same on TikTok and other platforms as well, if you see some of the biggest people doing this, a lot of the content creators tend to follow suit and want to hop on the trend. It's a, it's a viral aspect of it. Yeah. And that's, that's the best thing about like larger creators is right. like, you know, they have that reach. So, yeah. yeah. Vicky, any specific things um, coming from kind of the TikTok side and from your history that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, um, so actually not related to TikTok, actually related to one of the startups that I worked at named Hamel, um, but they were essentially like an early stage product. And I remember um, we had the exact same conversation, like do we work with big influencers or do we work with small influencers? I would also just, um, you know, uh, want like, just want to make sure that people understand like there's a difference between like, uh, working with a small influencer that has a very tight and niche community that they can in easily influence versus working with like a big 
creator who has um you know the audience but you know again i think it goes back to like how much uh, like it's how much is the creator willing to champion or willing to promote the product like how much does the creator actually like the product i think that's more important than finding like big influencer versus small influencers i've worked with creators who have like less than 100 concurrent viewers but they did an amazing job at getting their community on board and getting their creator like um network on board too so i think it really just uh, it's more important to find the right fit and find the right influencers who really are passionate about the product that they're promoting because it really truly shows in every single thing that they do. Yeah, I love that. Um, a question that kind of popped up in chat, this is an interesting one. Other than the very basic places that you would look for an influencer and their stats, you know, like Twitch and like TikTok, are there other platforms that you feel like you should also really hone in on? Like any of the, you know, of course, social, I think my general thing would be look at every platform that they have, but are there any other ones that you guys feel like people need to be checking more that it isn't like, well, don't just look at Twitch, look at all of these other things too, because this content's going to spread throughout those. Do a TikTok, I, do it, do it, do a TikTok I, push, do a TikTok I, push. I would do a TikTok push for no, Vicky, like, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so no, one, of the thing, no idea. one of the things that I love about TikTok, and I, I, full disclosure, I'm somebody who spends far too much time on that platform. Don't we all? Um, <laughs> you know, is like oh, everything lives and, and dies by the algorithm. So like if something is really, really good uh, and it's in a field that is adjacent to your interests, it will find its way to you on TikTok. So for us, I think that this has been a really interesting dynamic, not not just across games, but across brands and stuff as well, where like historically, back in my day, you know, when we used to do things like when you used to do stuff before TikTok, when you used to do stuff on Twitter, like it just pushed out to your feed. The number of followers was roughly like how many people it went out to. Now everybody has seen TikTok success and really started to replicate like stuff lives and dies by content success. So you can't just do messaging pushes and have it just hit uh, an audience because somebody has a high number of followers, the content has to be good. So if you can find people that are really good at creating that, even if they have low followings on a platform like TikTok, you can see stuff go really, really far if it's, if it's great content and finds the audience. Yeah, I definitely want to say that, you know, TikTok as a platform aims to push content that could be enjoyed by people of all ages. And um, definitely, you know, we want to promote, you know, content that are high engaging. And that's why, you know, um, a lot of you see small accounts with a few thousand followers have their TikToks blow up. And you also see, you know, um, new content that gets discovered every day. It's just because, you know, as a platform, it definitely wants to push for content that could be enjoyed by everyone. And I will say that, um, especially on the TikTok Live side of things, um, I would say TikTok Live is definitely more of a platform that further pushes that message is that, you know, as a, as a live streaming platform, uh, we really look for, you know, content that could be, you know, that, that, that are commenting, uh, people are commenting on the content, people are liking the stream, people are sharing the stream. And um, it is definitely an amazing way to grow your follower base, but it is also an amazing way to kind of, you know, share the message of, you know, whatever game that you're playing. Um, you know, I would say TikTok really as a platform, especially on the live side, is more community engaging than a lot of the other platforms because it aims to kind of push content that are high engaging and um, really community driven. Yeah, absolutely. 
Good TikTok plug. Glad we got it in there. Yeah. I loved your intro. You're like, if you don't know what TikTok <laughs> is, I was like, what's yeah. going on? Who doesn't know what TikTok is? Yeah. Um, an interesting kind of next thing. Ricky, did you have any million dollar ideas you wanted to throw in there? Oh, no. I was just going to say from my personal experience, like I before didn't think that I would click on ads um, on TikTok or like even Instagram reels. I'm starting to because the algorithm is so good which I'm, so if you're thinking about doing ad spend on TikTok or like Instagram live, like it, it, it does work. Like yeah. I almost, almost bought a shirt. I'm not in like, you know, I don't have games coming up on my thing. Mine's just like fashion and stuff like that, but like it's, I almost bought stuff. So it does work, especially if it's, uh, if it's attractive and it's something that I'm very much interested in. So it, it works. That's just this panel's powered by TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. it. <laughs> um, what do you think to grow a social footprint? That's a great call out. Um, I think in terms of something that this kind of taps into the next question I was going to ask too, when we're talking about paying a lot of money to be doing these, um, you know, these big activations, it can be tempting to kind of just sit back and watch it happen. And I think a really key thing, and we've chatted about it in panels before, is this is a great opportunity for your channels to go in and engage with this community. like. Be, drop in there and say, hey, we just paid for this. Like, you know, this is a sponsored stream. We Any questions about the game, we'd love to be involved. Follow us on Twitter, stuff like that. I mean, every single dollar you spend is an opportunity to grow that social footprint. Um, and, it, you know, that, that could be a, a potentially easy way to do it. Make the most out of the money you've already spent by getting involved in whatever that content is. Get in chat, like, and, and be there. And creators have a lot of people coming at them all the time and they remember the you know the games and the the managers that go out of their way to have a not a relationship with them but to to be an asset to them and to be a resource for them i'm sure kelby can talk to that far more than i could um but i think that that's a an easy an easy end to continue to grow stuff um i think that was an a good segue into talking about some pitfalls in terms of um influencer contracts i know vicky I, one of the ones i wrote down and i loved vicky's call out was being too rigid um in in guidelines right like if i don't get this many call outs you know i'm gonna be really grumpy about it um i don't know if you guys have seen anything or had any thoughts on things that are pushed really often that it it gets it just it does it isn't worth the hype and it's there's more effective ways to do it what are some pitfalls in general of looking over these contracts and looking for an, or a, an influencer to work with i think uh not being collaborative enough um because uh, a lot of companies and brands especially if they're like non-endemics um they don't understand the community that they're trying to engage in um and they don't understand that the creators community and what they respond to the most, especially if you're working with like the uh, small to medium-sized creators. Um, you know, you need, you definitely have to collaborate with someone you're trying to sign on or you're trying to engage with, uh, because they are your best chance of spreading the word of your game or your brand or your product. Um, they know what their audience is gonna like, and and uh, their audience is gonna support them, especially if they know that they will only engage with brands that match their brand if they're not aligned you're not going to have a good time and all the kpis that you set out that you want to achieve you're not going to get them just simply because right you know you're not on the same page and uh you have to really work with the creator in order to deliver on the best results
You have got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck, finding a publisher, and more. Remember, it's discord.gg slash indie game business. Yeah, off, off the back of what Ricky said, uh, something that I've just seen so much over my career is that if there are red flags in pre-sales, there will almost certainly always be issues in post-sales. So if it is really difficult getting to the finish line of tracking somebody down, getting response, negotiating a deal, contract red lines, it's not necessarily that either party is right or wrong. It may just be that you guys aren't really compatible for what you're looking to do. Uh, like you may have business objectives that you need to hit that the influencer doesn't want to work towards or ways that they like to inter interface and integrate partners into their community that doesn't work for you. And that's that's fine, but it probably means that, you know, you guys are trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and like it might just yeah. be easier to walk away, even if you're aligned on, you know, expectations for deliverables and compensation. It's also good for your mental health as like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've all worked with creators before and like, you know, you have your one, the ones that are very professional and some of them are, are just really not. And, um, you know, do yourself a favor, get someone that likes your product is aligned and is professional. Um, Love it. Better product at the end of the day and everyone's going to be happy. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, we've all seen how, how that goes. So. Yeah, I would also just say that definitely look for do your research on a creator before you even reach out and you know start start this whole conversation. And by research, I don't mean just like look at their their stats and look at their social media and but really like you know do like a deep research. You know, like what are the messages that this creator stands for? What are some of the past like material that this creator has worked on that like maybe fits your message or really promotes a certain personality that you're looking for but um definitely look for definitely do your research and make sure that like um that this is the right creator fit for you um i think it kind of goes back to what ricky and kelby were saying like you know being collaborative but definitely um you know i, I want to say like not to put a lot of um not to put tw twitter even on more spotlight than it currently going on right now but yeah i would say like um you know look look for someone's twitter i think like on their social media i, I although i know like social media is kind of fake uh people kind of like put on a persona but i think um there is an intention behind putting a certain persona online so it, it definitely is a great way to kind of like do a research on a creator and like really start thinking about like what is your expectations and what are your like, how do you imagine this this collaboration is going to be, right? Like, um, I think a lot of times brands need, need, need to be very, very hands-on. It's better to be hands-on than not to be hands-on about a lot of things. Um, so definitely do a deep dive before you start committing and don't just kind of, you know, reach out to creators just to fill the numbers. Good call out. Um, we just got a great question in chat. Um, have we, have 
we notice any major differences in performing recurring sponsorships or long-term sponsorships versus getting to hit new audiences by switching up influencers uh, frequently. I know when I've worked with Kelby, the pitch has usually been, no, it makes more sense to uh, to build a relationship with this person, even though it's hitting the same um, the same audience over and over. But I think that's a great question. I'd love your guys' thoughts on that, the new versus, or multiple new people over and over versus picking one and just really sticking with it. I definitely have thoughts. I'll, I'll I can I can lead off again. It will. So I mean, I handle both brand and game side. It will it will definitely vary depending on which one, and also the depending on the type of game that you have. If you have a live service title versus like a single purchase, any you know RPG that's coming out. You know, for the live service title, like you know, EA is a client of ours that we work with. When their new seasons come out and they have battle passes and skin releases and all that stuff. You know, they work with us and creators that they've worked with historically to get messaging out around those products. Uh, but if you're doing like a single purchase, you know, RPG title, then you're probably best fit, you know, spreading it as wide as possible. And and the other thing that you want to be mindful of as well when you're doing this process is looking for audience overlap, right? Because there are it's very common, obviously, that somebody who's watching an influencer watches multiple content creators and you don't want to be retargeting the same people or paying to hit the same people um, necessarily right so you may think that like oh uh i really like this person and this person but you need to and there are tools out there that you can get access to that will you know get this data for you um you know or do they have what is their audience overlap like and am, am i really spending a lot of money to hit the the same sort of viewer now you may want to hit them twice that's totally fine you know because there can definitely be some effects there we're like oh i saw lyric playing this and now i'm seeing co playing this they both must you know they're both seem to really enjoy this game i should you know go out and buy it but do you want that to be you know four five six times or something like that so you just need to be right. discerning in that process Great call-outs. Ricky, Vicky, anything to add on that? Um, I, I also just want to say that I think um, it really depends. Um, some of the strategies that I have worked with from the past is just, um, especially if it's like a brand new product and it's the, the creator's first time, you know, working with the company, like, you know, how I would approach this is, you know, let's, let's do this for like a 30, 30 day trial. Let's like really closely monitor the results and really work closely with each other. Um, I think, you know, as like, uh, from like, you know, a brand standpoint of view, um, from my experience, past experiences, it's better to have creators who is responsive and easy to work with. And you really need to have like a trial period before you could really jump to conclusions. Um, so I think definitely, um, my approach has always been let's work on a yeah like a one-on-one -on -one basis see how things go and if it's if we're seeing results and it makes sense and the community like the audiences want to see this type of content again let's make this like a reoccurring thing but um i think it really depends on um you know the game studios right like it is the community receptive of it i think uh, a lot of times most i guess like most deals probably start with like a short-term um short short-term uh, contract rather than just like uh, i'm going to do this repeatedly uh, and we're going to start off like right off the bat. Yeah, and I think an interesting thing too is is making sure that you have a reasonable timeline for when you think you're going to get results from this. If and that can be 
stretched further by if you're asking for like what Kelby suggested earlier of whitelisting and, you know, making sure that there's VOD content on, on multiple platforms, that tail can go for a while. So it isn't like, oh, well, we had this stream at this time on this date and nothing happened. And, this you know, all of our numbers didn't spike and we're not billionaires. You have to let the kind of the algorithm work. You have to make sure you set yourself up for success because ideally all of it will stack and build on itself um, and it will be more of a long term play. So it's it's not a flash in the pan. So I would try to resist the urge to immediately expect results exactly at that time and realize that this is going to be a long term play. Just doing something for a month with one creator and you don't, you know, absolutely crush it doesn't mean that that isn't the right creator for you. It means you have to be patient and wait for everything to kind of grow. I think probably like a two to three month thing is like an okay test. I don't know, Kelby, if you have any suggestions on that, but I've seen people that are like, well, we did it. We did one stream once for, uh, and it just was done and we ranked it on 30 days and then nothing happened. So that was it. And I feel like that's kind of a disservice to getting your foot in the door with influencer work. I also want to add like the, the method is not necessarily like mutually exclusive. Like you can do both at the same time. You can develop the current creators that are really big fans of your product and your game. And at the same time, reach out to new creators at the exact same time. And they could be like evangelists of your product. Like I'm mm -hmm. very, I'm a very big brand, uh, you know, fan loyal of like say square enix as an example you know small indie company but you know any game that they release i am always down for and like all the creators in that space like as long as you're constantly you know a sense like we'll call it farming the the current amount of creators um, it's a very low cost effort for you to now them be your marketing spend for you and it costs you you know a, a brand new game key which you know for most companies that um you know, doesn't cost very much at the same time. So uh, it's uh, something that, uh, you know, may, may want to consider doing both at the exact same time. One is much lower effort than the other one, um, cost less too. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that that brings up kind of an interesting point that I wanted to make in, yes, there's all this promotion that you can do to promote one game, right? But also making sure that you're promoting your entire company as a whole, right? Like I know if Annapurna comes out with a game, I'm going to buy that game. I just know it because I trust that brand. So it's not only learning how to promote the game title itself, but it's also all of the other stuff around it. I know if something comes out by Freedom Games, I'm probably going to like it. I know if something comes out by Annapurna, I'm probably going to like it. That isn't, but the the thread that ties all those games together, right, is the, is the overarching brand who's making this game. Um, I feel like you see that with everybody, CD Projekt, all of that, right? Like we, I don't even think we We've mentioned a game in this panel, but we've mentioned the creators of games multiple times. So I wouldn't go out of your way. I just, I wouldn't forget that. Uh, make sure that you're promoting all of it. Game moments, yes, but tie that other overarching brand in too. Um, okay, another question that I think could be tactically very helpful. Are there any tools that you guys use or have used in the past that are really helpful that you feel like people looking through this yes look through twitch yes look at their TikTok. but these are tools that are really really helpful um thoughts feelings uh yeah we i mean we use uh no scope which is a proprietary tool i will i will disclose uh there's no fee to use it it's free to everybody but um it's uh it's essentially just like an analytic scraper for for twitch that we use to pull like all of our our data without having to log into creator dashboards manually also there are paid tools out there a paid tool that uh we really like um is game site 
which is essentially um, kind of all of the things that I talked about with regards to like advanced analytics, something that we we look at all the time in regards to audience overlap, who, you know, is is a good fit for the genre and game and like brand fit and all of that stuff. So. Love it. I was going to say, um, Ricky, I feel like when when I when we used to work together, we used a lot of uh, Solinome. <laughs> Back in the days, uh, what I really like about Solunome is that you could kind of export some of the data into a spreadsheet, which is super useful. Um, but did I just? Yeah, I, just I think I think uh, the standard in the industry of people that uh, you know want to have a low cost effort into finding you like creators or games or stats is is Solunome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously going to say Raymaker because I have free access to it. But like, um, yeah, Solunome is a great product that. Uh, I have worked closely with in the past to, you know, get data from soup. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, all of them are great tools, but, uh, yeah, and I think that is a good call. There are a lot of tools that can make this easier, right? It doesn't have to be a super spooky, endlessly manual processor. There are things like Rainmaker and all the things that we've mentioned that can make this a less intimidating process and less of like, well, I guess as an influencer manager, I'm going to sit on Twitch all day and I'm going to, hope I find the person with the right vibe. You know, there's a lot of other tools that you can can use both paid and not. You you will get what you pay for, right? Like if you go with a higher, oftentimes you'll get a, a better kind of a white glove service um, and a little more help. So it's kind of also the discussion of, yes, there are tools that are free or yes, there are tools that are, you know, everybody can use. Um, and, and some of those are perfect, but does your team have the bandwidth to do all of this manually? Does it make sense to be reaching out to somebody like Kelby of like, hey, this is our goal. We need influencers. Can we talk to this agency? Does it make sense to be using something like Rainmaker that's like, I want to figure out how to even get started in this? So using something that is a paid service isn't a cop out. It's protecting the bandwidth of your team and 100%. letting people that are good at what they do do their job really well so everybody hit up kelby and everybody gets i it. i uh i encourage anybody to like do the exercise of like just go and looking at a creator think of a game even if you're not a game developer or you are a game developer try to find like the category look at their contents look view a bunch of vods what what are the platforms they are in um, do that manually and just calculate the amount of time that you spend on that. Like that's, you know, that's why agencies like loaded exist and why they're so successful or like platforms like Raymere exist and why we're so successful is because um, we remove that manual process. It's insane. Uh, and yeah. to let you know, like I usually spend like seven to 10 minutes and it's not a very quality amount of time that I'm spending. Cause like I'm zooming through and then times that by the amount of creators that I'm potentially looking to bring onto this particular campaign, let's say about 25, um, to find that 25 would probably take me a full on like 40 hour week. Yeah. And by then I'm going to need a drink essentially yeah. by the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Your eyes are crossed. Cause yeah. Your eyes are crossed. So yeah. Long. And you know, and, and you're like, you know, they all kind of mold to be the same at the exact same or at the end of the day. And yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. Of work. And, and I would say the other thing on our own behalf is just that when you're working with a third party group that does this as you know, like their full-time job and responsibility, the level of data and experience that we have as a product of, you know, just doing this full-time is, you know, worked with hundreds and hundreds of creators on thousands of campaigns. So there's just like a wealth of knowledge to pull from. And, that, and that's really like the, the big kind of focus for us. And 
uh, obviously like the nice thing about about being at loaded and having been at this you know company for four years is that because of our position in the market um we just have a lot of really good data from the biggest campaigns so we have very informed decision making for our for our, it's, for our uh, campaigns and it's one of those in intangible kpis that you can't yeah. be you can't really talk about it's more yeah. of like the the quality of the service right yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. And I think that highlights if, if anyone has taken anything from what we said that this is not a test that you can do haphazardly. If you're going to start to get into, into influencer stuff, and we've talked about this on panels before, this is not like a test that you think is going to be super low lift, not a big deal. They're going to do all the work because it will fail if you don't if you're not active, if you don't do all the stuff. So, yes, there are tools to make this a lot easier, but don't expect don't don't like sully the experience of working with influencers and set yourself up for failure by thinking this is going to be a super low lift thing. It does get easier. It always gets easier, but it isn't something that you can be like, well, I don't know. This person's never done this before. We have no idea. We might as well just throw a test at it. Brace yourself for the fact that this is something that if you're spending money on it should work well. And therefore it's going to require a little bit of onboarding and trust it isn't like you know a an ad platform that's like yeah if you give us your credit card and an ad asset then we're gonna go and it'll we'll run it perfectly yeah it won't work like that like i always like to think about the last time i bought a product from like a commercial or something like no, not to knock commercials you know they they attract different uh types of like demographics and age groups and stuff like that but like i buy stuff from influence i hate to say it like i you know the 20 year old ricky would be like you know, shh, shh, you know <laughs> go away uh but now i'm like buying stuff from influencers because that's just the content that i consume and i would argue and say the same that it applies for you know everyone within like the you know 12 to 28 year old I mean, gosh 28 too young you know 40 even yeah you know the millennials and the gen z's and stuff like that i'm throwing those words out there but like it, it, that's how the how, that's how we are now consuming content mm -hmm. so well, yeah. and, and it makes sense logically it's a much yeah. more impactful voice when you have somebody who's acting as an ambassador that you like and enjoy and regularly consume their content versus mm -hmm. The way that typical ads are run is it is getting in what in the way of the content yeah. that you are wanting to see. So yeah, uh, I know that Twitch is having a lot a lot of what are we talking right about? Now, so. Yeah, <laughs> no idea what you mean. We have no idea talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a great call out and um, understanding that those those relationships long term too really build that. A lot of the stuff that I like purchasing, um, it's a way to also support a creator. And that makes me happy to do too, right? Like when I've I've worked with Loaded for years, I worked with, you know, one of the people we've worked with is Travis Gafford. I, with a lot of his fans and we want to support Travis, right? Like, yes, we want this laptop. Yes, we want this piece of hardware. It makes sense to do it, but I'm buying it because I trust the influencer that I'm getting this content from. And I want to do something that is also going to help them. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to pull into. You get to involve a human element when you work with an influencer, and that can be very stressful for some, a oh, huge multitude of reasons, but it also can be really beneficial because you're helping support the content creators that are helping promote and push your your brand. And, and that's a really exciting way for people to be able to feel like they can get involved in this campaign. And I love that. Um, 
something I wanted to kind of chat about, something I always love talking about, are there any campaigns um, that have stood out to you guys that you've worked on in the past that was you've really, really enjoyed? There was something about them that just kind of hit that perfect spot. Um, I know Kelby's worked with a huge amount of people. Vicky, I'm sure you get, you've all over the place too. Um, have there been any like favorite campaigns that you guys have worked on that you were like, if I if I could put in a dictionary, this is what an influencer should cam campaign should be. It's this one. And what made it that way? Um, first. <laughs> yeah, I, I my <laughs> my examples are unfortunately not indie title examples not to say that they couldn't be replicated in the indie environment um but to me you know like i i thought that the way that respawn and ea decided to launch apex was you know tremendously smart something that nobody had ever done before at that point and also obviously proved to be wildly successful um ultimately though at the at the end of the day I think the success of all of these campaigns are going to be dependent on the quality of the product that is being shown and advertised. Um, it, the, the, the marketing that you do here just helps ensure something that you have that's great gets the success that it deserves. It will right. not make a terrible title, uh, you know, uh, wildly successful because, you know, games are games are for people to enjoy and have fun that's that's why they play them right right um a, another another great example of a campaign that we did that i thought was really awesome was the doritos bowl back in 2018 which coincided with the launch of uh the cod black ops 2 when they first introduced battle royale into the title um it was kind of just like uh the marriage of the right set of influencers like ninja and shroud kind of at their peaks around a title that was doing really well that they had a live event at twitchcon with a format that was extremely compelling i was really really proud of the team on the production end that put together the the format that we ended up using for that event and it was just like the the viewership and the attendance on site, it was just like the most popular thing going on at TwitchCon, so. Love it. Yeah, I was gonna say um, Apex Legends, I think that whole launch was like definitely one of my favorite moments in gaming just because it really came out of nowhere and I thought it was gonna, at first I was like, okay, it's just another Battle Royale game. Like what's, what's so like neat about it, right? And then um, after seeing all the creators just like it just exploded overnight and I was playing and that's when I like installed the game too and I was like oh shoot like I can I can see why this game is successful so I think it was definitely like a very stealth launch but also it did a great job at just captivating like the whole gaming community interest um, I also have a campaign that I really like that not necessarily a one that I worked on but um, you know in I think in 2019 slash 2020 HyperX um, had like this whole campaign of we're all gamers and personally I really really love that messaging just because it connects like with every it, it basically did a great job like breaking down the stereotype of what a gamer is and really showed that like you know gamers could be of like all types I think they did a great job at promoting diversity um, in the campaign and it's still definitely like one of my favorite campaigns just because it it ties it has such like a great universal message that promotes positivity in gaming and I think that's something that the overall gaming community could use more of, which is just, you know, positivity, promoting diversity and equity. 
Yeah, that's a great additional call out. When you're looking through all these influencers, make sure that you have a diverse lineup. Make sure that you're hitting multiple groups and, and it doesn't all look like the same kind of influencer because you're going to you're going to miss out. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good call out. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Ricky, first off, before you answer the question, pop off on the lighting. You're glowing. <laughs> so I live in a loft <laughs> and this skylight hits me usually around this time. So I'm struggling a bit here. Um, I'll, I'll be quick on mine. I, I just did a campaign just very recently uh, on our platform for Odyssey Games. They released uh, Omega Strikers. I'm not sure if you saw that trending on Twitch. Uh, they used our platform to give away, oh, oh my goodness, like five seven thousand keys through our platform so we got the nice old like hug of death of internet on our, our platform but uh we fixed that in 10 minutes and you started shooting out keys um and that was the funnest one that i worked on just simply because of the fact that it was just the viralness of it like everyone likes the fact that um you know you get to be competitive it's a very simple quick and easy game to pick up um and it's nice it's like uh it's like League of Legends air hockey if for, for those who've never checked out like Omega Strikers. So I worked with uh, Ryan and the Odyssey team very closely with that um, and, and, you know, launched with uh, without a hitch, realistically. And uh, they got a lot of large creators, um, you know, promoting and checking out that game. And that's honestly the best thing that you can get is uh, having, you know, big creators pop off on that game. So, yeah, um, that was a really fun one. Uh, virality with that was just last week yeah just yeah last week. we got our our uh, work slack was like Pfft. yeah so yeah that yeah was a fun one. i remember popping in at like 12 30 in the morning uh <laughs> at uh you know helping them out for everything after uh, a night of karaoke so that was great perfect so, time to start perfect time to start <laughs> love that um I know we're we're kind of coming up the time. We only got five more minutes. Another a question I kind of saw pop up was the um, the difference, and we've kind of touched on it, but the the fact that there are so many different platforms that you can stream on. There's so many different platforms that content can live. Um, how do you guys think that that's really affected and impacted the way that influencers are taking deals and considering deals? Has have you seen that kind of shift the um, the priority i know vicky i'm sure can pop off on this especially with all of the rise of everything TikTok. so feel free um yeah i want to say that uh first and foremost i want to say TikTok live not biased um it's an amazing platform <laughs> not biased. Uh, <laughs> no but um yeah i think it's just um you know with the way how TikTok live the platform is built out right like it's not just tailored towards people from your uh from your follower base but the for you page does an amazing job at gaining um, helping creators and also, you know, whatever content gain, uh, impressions and views, et cetera. If the creator's really good at like maintaining their crowd and making sure that like the new traffic coming in are like staying and watching, I think it's an amazing way to kind of, yeah, bring your bring your games or bring your content uh, onto like new eyeballs. Um, you know, I want to say um, definitely, uh, yeah, TikTok Live is the best place in terms of impression right now. Um, and I think that's why so many creators have flocked to TikTok Live in the recent days, because they do see the potential in growth and they do see that there's um, there's a chance to kind of like gain um, a set of audience outside of the normal circle that they're reaching in. And I think that's really appealing to yeah brands and influencers in general. It's just that there's just so much discoverability on a platform. If you know how to captivate it, right? Um, you know, I, I've seen creators that get like 100,000 
followers within like a past few days on TikTok just because they're able to utilize and, and make live content that are engaging. Um, okay, I'm going to stop plugging TikTok live now. We get it. You like TikTok. Get it. TikTok. Um, I feel like the conversation is more important now than ever if anybody's been paying attention to kind of what's going on in the whole space in, in regards to a platform which we all kind of know about, uh, Twitch. Um, <laughs> being able to kind of diversify your portfolio across multiple platforms has always been something that we i would say we as an, us as a group have been um telling people like just because they're on facebook just because they're on TikTok, or they're on youtube um those are still eyes even if it's 200 it's 200 eyes or 50 50 eyes like you have those individuals consuming the content regardless of what platform you're on if you're not diversifying and spreading your content that you are creating in multiple different forms whether if it's live vod short form if you're not doing that you're you're not yeah. You're not being successful. You're not. You're not being successful to yourself, and you're doing yourself a uh, dis, uh, disservice, essentially. Yeah. So, um, if you're not, if you're a content creator listening to this, or if you're indie, like if you're not looking at other platforms to spread the word of your game uh, or your brand or your product, um, very much doing yourself a disservice. Um, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. And I think Kelby, feel free to pop off. But I think that when you're thinking about influencer um, events. The plate that they want to make it work, right? So that isn't something that you're necessarily going to get nickel and diamond, especially if you decide to go with an agency like Loaded or whatever. That's something that they want the content to do well, and that isn't something you should be afraid to ask for. It should be something that you're, you know, you're you're ready to to deal with. That you don't have to just keep blinders onto one platform. You should kind of diversify. Um, random thoughts, Kelly, before we wrap up. Well, yeah, off the back of what you were just saying people may not realize this but for the overwhelming majority of content creators they will always monetize directly from their audience to a much greater degree than they will from game and brand partnerships so to your point they care most about audience retention engagement and viewership they want content to succeed and do well um and then the other thing i was going to mention with regards to the the platform side is something i think that slept on uh right now a little bit and vicky you can cover yours if, if you want um but like youtube shorts i i see doing very very well and i know that as a platform they're pushing it really really hard uh for like you know getting views and and use out there so um you know that is something as well that that i would think about as a part of like the platform diversity and, and where we're seeing content populated dance here that means we're getting kicked out Yes, sir. Indy's in the house. It's time to go. No, thank you. As, as once again, it's always an awesome, it's awesome uh, broadcast when y'all come together and share Love this wealth it. of knowledge. So I thank you, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you at TwitchCon. You better yes. stop by our booth, Ricky. We will. Not me. Sorry, I'll be there in spirit. I'll All right, you can be there in spirit. You can be there in spirit. Send pictures. Uh, yeah, before we before we bounce, I would like to once again shout out Tripwire Presents. Thank you so much for sponsoring us. And speaking of Tripwire Presents, guess who's up next? Ooh, Tripwire, Tripwire Presents. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Thank it's you, guys. Thanks. Bye, Have guys. a good this one. Fun. See ya. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.